And so our whole uh, goal in this summer has been to stir faith. I know we're still in summer, but like you don't have to back up. I mean, you can take a break and get a little vacation and uh, wear your flip-flops to church. It's good. I'm glad you're relaxed, Josh. That's good. Like you do that, do all that, but like you don't have to back up in your faith. You can move forward. You can go deeper. You can get stronger. And so that's been our goal all through this uh, series of dangerous opportunities. And so the key verse has been um, 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, for a great and effective door has opened to me. How many want that in your life? Yep, all of us. And (laughs) there are many adversaries. How many want that in your life? Yeah, I didn't think so. But that's the whole premise of this series, Dangerous Opportunities. We, the, the Chinese concept of crisis is made up of two words, danger and opportunity. And so the idea being in this series that when we handle crisis, when stuff goes on that is beyond our control, when we are facing obstacles that seem insurmountable, when we're facing that stuff, if we will handle those crisis moments the same way that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, would handle those, then we get to turn a crisis into an opportunity. It is a dangerous opportunity. Maybe not easy, maybe a little risky, maybe there might be a little pain involved, but we can take any obstacle, any crisis, and turn it into an opportunity. And so that's what we've been talking about in this series that how many got crisis in your life? How many got some obstacles? Just raise your hand. I want to make sure we're preaching to the right crowd. Okay. Yeah. So just about everybody in the room, the rest of you didn't understand the question. That's okay. We've all got it. And yet, if we'll lean into Jesus, if we'll hear what his voice is saying to us, if we'll seek wisdom and understanding, just like uh, Maddie up here who was saying, you know what, she was going through this stuff. And she was, felt like there was this block between her and God, but she got in a place which, where she would listen and be able to hear the voice of God. And she opened up a Bible and got, all of a sudden God dropped this verse into her life that totally changed her life. What was a crisis became an opportunity for God to do probably what sounded like to me, I don't know about you, but the deepest work he's ever done in her life right there to get her to a place of freedom and a connection with the Father that she hadn't had, to, to free her up to say, if I can heal myself, then, then I can help heal others. Then I can help bring hope to other people. And so there's a quote from uh, Winston Churchill. It's actually a pretty famous one. And he says this, the nose of a bulldog is slanted backwards so he can t- continue to breathe without letting go. I love that. The nose of the bulldog is slanted backwards, so when he grabs hold of something, he can continue to breathe without letting go. And I believe that God is looking for some Christians who will have that bulldog tenacity that once we grab hold of something, once God says, nope, you need to grab hold of that. You see that opportunity? You need to grab hold of that and never let go. That if God could get some Christians who would grab hold of some stuff and not let go, that, that we would experience some different outcomes in our life. That we would take some of those obstacles and we would shift them from obstacles, from crisis, into a dangerous opportunity. But, but we've got to get a little bit tenacious in that. I mean, you can't just be like, 
Oh, this is my opportunity. I'm going to take that. Oh, oh, it slipped out of my hands. I mean, you're not going to hold on to anything like that. You got to, there's some marriages in here and, and you're trying to, you, you see that God brought you together, right? And you, you see that God can and that he will restore your marriage. Well, if this is you, this, that's not going to happen. Oh, it slipped out of my hand. You got to grab hold. Grab hold of that spouse of yours. Grab hold of that marriage and say, I'm not letting go. Because this is what God gave me and I'm not letting go. Some of you, you have some kids in your life or maybe it's some siblings and you've got stuff going on in your life. And you want God to restore a relationship. You want God to save a teenager, or bring him back into the fold or a young adult. And it's not going to happen if you're just like, oh, Jesus, I pray for him. Pray, do that. But you got to, Reggie, you got to grab hold of something and say, I'm not letting go. This is my child. This is my sibling. I am not letting go. I'm holding on. You can't let go. I just realized I was screaming next to the baby. Totally did not phase the baby. Whew, that was close. Whoa, that was close. Some of you want to get debt free. And you're like, oh, I hope I'll get debt free. I'm going to grab people intentionally because these two teach our financial peace class. I haven't grabbed, I can do this because Chad's sitting right next to her. But this woman right here. She teaches our financial peace. She was created, put on this planet to help you get free in your finances. If you haven't signed up, this one's getting ready to come to close, but in the fall, you need to sign up. But see, Jenny will teach you how to grab hold of a vision of getting financially free and not letting go, no matter how big the shoe sale is. No matter how bad you think, oh, I just need a vacation. No matter how falling apart that junker of a car is and you're like I deserve it no she will teach you you gotta grab hold of something and refuse to let go let me uh oh, hey Josh come up here will you actually down there will you help me with an illustration here <laughs> you ought, somebody said be careful Josh come come stand right over here Josh right here so God gives you an opportunity. Josh, I'm going to hand this book to you, and I'd just like you to hold it, and then I'm going to take it back. Just let me take it back. I, he had it. I took it back. Now, Josh, I'm going to give this book to you. I'd like you to hold on to it a little bit. Re no, no, no. Uh, resist a little bit. Don't get uncomfortable. Don't strain yourself. Just, just hold on to it a little bit, okay? You're going to hold on to it a little bit. I took it back. Took a little more effort. A little more effort from him. Not much more effort from me to take it back. But Josh, I'm going to give this book to you now. I would like you to, no, you have to hold it out. You have to give me an opportunity here. Okay, like that. Now, I, I would, no, you have to hold it in the back. We got to make this fair. Now, I would like you to hold on to that, Josh, from the back of the book like that. Like, like your life depends on it. Like, don't let me get that book back. Come on, come on what you got? Come on. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. 
Thank you, Josh. You can sit down. <laughs> Give Josh a hand. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Come up here one more time. You don't have to come. But if I took this to another level, and I said, Josh, I'm going to give you this book, and I want you to hold on to it. And now this time, I'm not playing. Like, literally, whether or not you hold on to that book, your life depends on it. <laughs> you have to stay right here, but your life depends on it. Uh, and here's the thing. I'm, this time, I'm going to give you five minutes to tap into resources that are only in this room so that you can hold on to that book. Because if you don't hold on to the book, you have to write me a million dollar check or sign over your, your kids to my custody or spend the rest of your life in jail. Pick it, whatever's the worst for you. If you don't hold on, to the, so I'm going to give you five minutes to tap in any resources you can. What would you do if I, if I told that to you? I get a bunch of people up here. Get a bunch of people up here. Which people? Like... Would you get Patsy? I get everybody. Everybody. <laughs> everybody. Okay, now you can sit down. See, our problem isn't a lack of resources, it's a lack of resourcefulness. And so let's break this down. Most Christians, God gives you an opportunity. And it's like that first scenario. Somebody can take it right out of your hands. No fight, no difficulty, no sweating on his behalf. Listen, if I'm the devil taking that away, I, it's like stealing candy from a baby. Guess what? It's not even usually the devil. It's you or me getting in our own way. It's somebody else that's just willing to put up a little bit of a fight, and you're not willing to put up any fight. And so you're giving things, and they're taken away just as easily. Now, some of you, you're given opportunities, and you'll put up a little bit of a fight. A little bit. You'll resist a little bit, but not to the point that it's uncomfortable, not to the point that you might perspire a bit, not to the point that would be maybe socially unacceptable. You don't want people to look at you when you're getting, you don't want to fight and, like, draw attention to yourself, and so <sighs> those opportunities are taken away. The crisis, you see the crisis and you're just like, nope, I'm, I'm, I, I can't do that. But then there are some who you give the book the opportunity to them and they are willing to fight and fight and fight because they know what God gave them. Now, some people are willing to fight and fight and fight, but you know what? Sometimes that's still not enough if you don't enlist the help the resources of everybody around. You see, I expected Josh, I was even trying to lead him. Did you hear me there? I, was, I expected him to say, I'm going to get Jacoby and I'm going to get Chris and whoever else is the strongest guys in here. And, and they're going to, but see, I liked his answer better. He said, I'm going to get everybody. I'm not going to just, I got to hold on to something in my life, my children, my livelihood depend upon it. I'm going to get everybody's help. But you see, some of us isolate ourselves. And some of us will never look up to realize all the help that is lying right in the same room we're sitting sometimes. So what's the book represent? It, it represents the opportunities. 
It represents the life, the story that you are writing with your life, with what are you going to do with the opportunities that God gives you? How are you going to respond when the crisis comes? When God gives you a vision and it is in, you are encountered with obstacles in the way between you and the fulfillment of that vision, how will you respond? How are you going to deal with that? Will it be an obstacle? Will it be a crisis that overcomes you? Or will it be a dangerous opportunity? Do y'all see the title of the book? An Unstoppable Force. Good book, but totally fits with what we're talking about here. See, if you will face that crisis with Jesus, and if you'll fight a little bit, you'll become an unstoppable force. Look at somebody say, you're unstoppable. Just tell. Now, you won't be unstoppable without a choice, but you can be unstoppable if you'll make a choice to fight. And so I want us to kind of make this declaration over our life today. You got to work with me. The declaration is this. I will fight until I succeed. Are you ready to say that on the count of three? One, two, three. I will fight until I succeed. Now you got it. Now say it like you mean it. I will fight until I succeed. You fight like that, you're going to lose everything. Could you say it like you mean it? If you need to jump up out of your seat and say it like you mean it on the count of three. One, two, three. I will fight until I succeed. See, some of you felt something there because you're working with me here. Some of you are still observing and you're not participating yet, but I'm trying to get something in you so that whatever you're facing cannot take you out. You have a wide and effective door of opportunity. But you know what? There are going to be many adversaries between you and stepping into the fullness of that opportunity and to stepping into the greatness of what God's put you on this planet to do. You want the greatest marriage. You want people to look at your marriage and say, wow, I you're going to have to fight for it. You, I guarantee you, you ask whoever you pick out in this room or in this church that you look up and you said, man, they have an amazing marriage. If I could have any marriage, I want that one. And you go ask them from the stories of when they had to fight. Because there's not one marriage that you would look at and say that about that they haven't had to fight to get there. It takes a fight. So we're going to look at some scripture here with a couple guys that knew what it was to fight, to not give up. And we're going to learn about how to fight until we succeed. I'm going to give you a few principles here that we can apply in our lives. But if you want to turn to Acts 16, it'll be on the screen. We're going to look at Paul and Silas. We're going to look at a crisis moment in their lives. Verse 16, it says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination meant us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. I'm not really preaching this, but how many of you know your obstacles, those crisis moments? They're not going to be one day. Many days. You might feel like they are following you around, heckling you to say, I ain't going nowhere. But Paul got greatly annoyed. Don't get intimidated. Get annoyed with a little supernatural power on the inside of you to say, no, 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 this can't happen to me. I'm a child of the living God. I was put on this planet with purpose. 
get a little annoyed and then, then take authority. He was greatly annoyed and he turned and said to the spirit, notice he just said, he didn't shout, he didn't spit, he didn't dance around, he just said, he said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. The, the authority in the midst of your crisis is not because you're good. It's not because you attend church every Sunday. It's not because you're so gifted. The authority that you have in the midst of your crisis is by Jesus Christ and him alone. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. Anybody been there? The multitude rising up against you, your friends are against you, your family's against you, your work associates, your boss, everybody's against you. Crisis. Everybody say it's crisis. Rose up against them. I lost my spot. And they brought them to the magistrates and they teach them customs. Then the multitude rose up against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. So I'm going to give you three little principles here to fight for the opportunity. Does anybody have some opportunities in your life? You see it. See, over the previous weeks, we've talked a lot about seeing the opportunity. Uh, I, I'm not talking so much about seeing. I'm talking about you've already seen it. You've already laid eyes on it. Maybe you've got a glimpse or you've partially seen some of this happen, but now you've got to hold on and fight for it. And so principle number one is this, refuse to quit. Just say it out loud. Refuse to quit. You ever seen the competitors? And they just go like this. No. Is there some famous person? What athlete does that? Matumbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The finger wag. Could everybody give me a finger wag right now? Because this is what you're going to say to the enemy. You're going to say, mm -mm, I refuse to quit. Mm-mm. I refuse to quit. I mean, Paul and Silas, beaten, stripped naked, beaten with rods, stripes upon their back, dragged into the, the jail, thrown in prison. I mean, that's adversity, right? That's a crisis moment if there ever was one. But somehow, in the midst of the crisis, they refused to quit because you know what? Quitting was not an option for them. Quitting, the word quit, was not in their vocabulary. They had made a decision that they were living on mission, that what they were doing was more important than the circumstances and the crises, crises that they face. Crises, is that the right word? Crises that they face. Say that 10 times fast. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Is quitting an option for you? I hear some shouts of no, but let's, let's think about it, really. Is quitting 
an option for you. Because again, I said this a couple weeks ago, nobody's gonna fault you if you quit because life is tough, right? Life is hard. And quitting has become pretty commonplace in our society today, don't you think? I mean, people will quit jobs. Spouses will quit marriages. Kids, they don't have to fulfill that commitment. They'll quit a sport. They'll quit an activity overnight because their parents will let them. Sorry, I didn't mean to convict you. The Holy, that was the Holy Spirit. I just said the words if you were convicted. Christians, oh yeah, they'll quit a church. Mm, like, like that. Quitting's normal. See, what the devil wants us to do is this. He, he wants us to minimize the importance of our decisions. And he wants us to downplay the size of our influence. Because if he can get us to think small, to believe we're small, to believe that we are inconsequential, unimportant, that nobody's looking at you, that nobody is bothered by what you do, that there's no effect to your decision, if he can get you to think that way, then you'll quit anything. You won't fight for nothing because your fight doesn't matter. But I'm here to tell you this morning, your fight matters. I'm here to tell you that there's people watching you and how you handle that crisis. I'm here to tell you that there are people depending upon how you handle that crisis. Will you take it and shift it into an opportunity or will you just let go? Some of you, you're so scared of the fight, so intimidated by the enemy that he, it's just like, whoa, what? Oh. Stop it! Stop it. God created you to win. He created you with a fight. Greater is he who is on the inside of you than he that is in this world. You've got to refuse to quit. James, I read this two weeks ago, but I'm reading it again. James 1, 2 and 4. Two through four, consider it pure joy. <laughs> My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing, the testing, the testing, the testing of your faith. See, when Josh is holding on to that, you can think all you want about him, whether he's strong or whether he can fight, but we'll never know until there's a test that he has to demonstrate his willingness to fight for it. The testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work. Finish its work. See, there's a work happening in you in the midst of the crisis. There's something literally happening inside of you to your faith, to your ability to trust God, to, to look into a circumstance and not see the circumstance, but see the God who is bigger than that circumstance. The testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I mean, we all want that, right? Mature, complete, not lacking anything. Sign me up, Jesus. But that don't come without the test. That doesn't come without the moment where you have to prove that your faith in God is bigger than your faith in that circumstance. 
We've got to go through the test. I want to read this quote to you. I actually have never read this book, but it's called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I don't believe he's actually a Christian author, but I've had several friends read it. And so I literally went and looked at some quotes and I'm going to share a couple with them, a couple with you today. Here's one. It's okay to be discouraged. It's not okay to quit. To know you want to quit, but to plant your feet and keep inching closer until you make, until you take the impenetrable fortress you've decided to lay siege of in your own life. That is perseverance. God is looking for some Christians that will want to quit. Come on, how many have wanted to quit in your life? How many wanted to quit this week? How many wanted to quit this morning when your kids were not behaving, getting them to church? I mean, come on, we all want to quit. It is okay to want to quit, but it's not okay to quit. You've got to position yourself to hold on to that which God put you on this planet to do. Don't quit. Look at somebody and say, don't quit. So we've got to, number one, refuse to quit. Number two, we've got to choose the right perspective. We've got to choose the right perspective. We can be in a circumstance that's bad, that's horrible, but we still have the power to choose. Now, could y'all work with me again? I'm a visual kind of guy. Everybody go like, come on, put them up. Put them up a little bit. Come on, come on. If you need to jab a little bit, you can jab, but just kind of put them up. See, you got to choose the right perspective. See, too many Christians I know, they freak out when bad stuff happens. This is not their posture. This is it. Stop it! I don't know, I'm not a boxer. This probably looks not good, but you got to choose the right perspective. And the right perspective is no matter what circumstance I face, no matter how big the giant, no matter how tough the adversary, my position is I'm going to fight because God put something on the inside of me, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of me. I got a fight in me. And that's Paul and Silas. At midnight, in the jail. And yet somehow in the midst of that, they were praying and singing praise to Jesus. They had joy in the midst of their crisis. Do you know that you can too? I know it feels a little bit impossible right now, but you can have joy regardless of what your circumstances are. Because joy is not a feeling. Joy is a choice. Joy is not based on what is happening to you or around you. Joy is based on what is happening inside of you. And Jesus can bring joy in your darkest hour because you can have peace and joy in the midst of that. But you've got to choose that. You've got to choose. I can literally have joy in the overcoming of these obstacles. And I'm not diminishing what you're facing. Some of you are facing some real deal stuff. It's tough. But in the midst of it, you get to choose what story you're going to tell yourself. You can choose this one, or you can choose this one. Another quote here. Just because your mind tells you 
that something is awful or evil or unplanned or otherwise negative doesn't mean you have to agree. Just because other people say that something is hopeless or crazy or broken to pieces doesn't mean it is. We decide the story we tell ourselves. So my question is, what story are you telling yourself? Are you saying, I deserve this? By the way, no, you don't because you're a child of the living God and he loves you and he accepts you and we all are going to make mistakes, but you don't deserve that. You deserve heaven. You deserve grace because Jesus purchased that. Not, you don't deserve it because you're that good because you get it right all the time. You deserve it because Jesus purchased that grace, that forgiveness, that mercy for you. So what story are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself I'm overwhelmed? I'm outmatched? I'm outnumbered? I'm never going to get through this? Or you're telling yourself, I'm in this situation because I put myself. What story are you telling yourself? Some of you need to change your story. You need to choose the perspective that you're going to have in the midst of this. You need to start telling yourself a story that I'm in the midst of this crisis. This is hard. It's been the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my entire life. But here's how the story is going to end. I'm going to persist. I'm going to fight until I succeed. And on the other side of this, God is going to get all the glory. That's my story. Some of you need to start telling yourself a story. I've made mistakes. I've hurt the people I love most. I'm not denying that. But today, my story changed. There's a climactic decision-making moment in my story. And from this moment forward, I am shifting my focus to Jesus, to love my family, to restore relationships. And you've got to shift your focus. You've got to begin to tell tell yourself the right story. Look at somebody and just ask them. Say, what story are you telling yourself? Because the Bible says this, Matthew 19, 26, Jesus says, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not impossible. You can do it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop. Hang on and trust Jesus in the midst of it. Now, let me just drop this in here because sometimes it's hard. Have you discovered this? Sometimes it's hard to choose the right perspective. Like when you're in it, I mean, you want to. Sunday morning, you're like, yeah, and then you go, go home tonight and you're like, oh, that preacher don't know what he's talking about. He didn't he walk today in my shoes. Listen. Do you notice in our story that it wasn't Paul who sang or Silas who sang? It was Paul and Silas. See, who you have around you in the midst of your crisis will determine if it's going to overcome you or if you overcome it. You've got to pay attention to who you have around you in the midst of that crisis. You need some people around you who are not going to be complainers. They're going to be praisers. They're not going to be blaming people. They're going to be singing praises to God. You need some people around you. They don't see obstacles. Mm -mm. They just see opportunities. They just, they're set like flint. They see, they don't walk around in fear. You don't need those fearful people around you. You need some people full of faith. They're going to stir you up. On days when you don't feel like it, you need some people who are not going to speak death, but they're going to speak life. You've got to choose. 
Now, the last point, I'm going to do it in like three minutes here because we've got some good stuff to talk to you about at the end here. The last point is this. See yourself successful. Come on, everybody give me Rocky. Come on. Now, if you want to stand up, come on. You got to see yourself as a champion. You've got to see the greatness that God has put on the inside of you. Because it's not enough just to see your, have the right per- perception in your circumstances. You got to have the right perspective. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. Because think about Paul and Silas. They came to preach the gospel. They're doing ministry. God's using them. And they end up in jail. Wouldn't it have been easy for them to label themselves a failure? We came to do this, and now look at us, Paul. We're in jail. We're a failure. But instead, they choose to praise. Instead, they choose to pray, to worship God. Because here's what they knew. Failure is not a person. Failure is an event. You are not a failure. Look at somebody right now. Just tell them, you are not a failure. Hey, Cam, I just met you this morning, but can I just tell you, man, dude, you are not a failure. In fact, there's greatness inside of you. You're like a champ, like literally people are drawn around you because the champion that's on the inside of you, because you're one that's going to cheer people on and tell them, no, you can do it. And sometimes you doubt yourself though. You encourage people all day, but sometimes you have a hard time seeing the champion in you and dude, you are a champion. Like God's great things for you, man. Just felt like he wanted me to tell you that. There is a champion on the inside of you. You've got to see yourself that way. You've got to believe that God's created you for greatness. I mean, Genesis 1:26. God created man in his own image. He created us like him. Has anybody read anywhere where God failed? Where he did not succeed? I mean, he had some down days, you know, that whole hanging on the cross, nailed to the cross. I mean, talk about fighting until you succeed. You've got to choose to fight. And because you're in the image of Jesus, you will succeed. You just say it under your breath. Just say, I will succeed. I will. So you didn't even say that under your breath because it feels good, doesn't it? Because you're saying what God says about you. And that's when you get into the rest of the story. When you go into the rest of that story, you see that not only did the earthquake come and everybody got loosed, but Paul and Silas were willing to fight because what happened in that story is the jailer got saved and everybody in his household got saved and they walked out of that prison. Now, some of you in the midst of the crisis, you thrown in prison, beaten, bleeding, stripes on your back, feet in stocks, and you don't feel very hopeful. You don't think God's doing anything. And can I tell you again, in the midst of the crisis, God is doing something in you. In the midst of the crisis, you don't see it, but God is working behind the scenes and orchestrating some things that where he gets all the glory. But you've got to choose to refuse to quit. You've got to choose the right perspective, and you've got to choose to see yourself successful because that's how God sees you. You've got to say, I will fight until I succeed. I will fight until I succeed. Now, can I tell you some real practical ways to do that? Some of you need to check your circle of influence because you're surrounded by all the negative side of those things I rattled off, not the positive side, and you need to 
Some of you need to sever some relationships. Now, I'm, if, if, if that's family, that's the negative side, you don't sever family, okay? But you can minimize and limit your interaction. And then some of you need to say, hey, who are the right relationships I need to pursue that will help me have the right perspective? You need to get more intentional than you've ever been. And guess what? You don't need to say, Pastor Mark, I need you to sit down with me for an hour every week. Guess what? Think of a great preacher, a great author, whatever, and get their book. Listen to their podcast. Yes, tap into friends and people around you, but there are so many resources in this technological age that you can have mentors that you've never sat down with face-to-face that will change your life. And you've got to pursue the right voices, the right influences in your life. The other thing is, you've, you've got to be intentional about changing your mind. Romans 12, 2, don't, don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? Well, we had a good example from a teenager who said the word of God started to change her mind. It works. The word of God. Worship. Getting in his presence. Getting around the right people. I'll tell you something. This is my journal. I've been doing this for about 13 years. And this is a place where God transforms me more than any other habit I have in my life. He could do the same for you because you're able to capture what he's saying. You're able to see yourself as you truly are. I don't write Facebook posts in here. I write raw, unfiltered, ugly life of Mark and all the good stuff too. But it gives him an opportunity to speak and shape and mold you. It's a great tool. Guess what? This right here. Get your, I say it every, last time I preach too, but get yourself in church because this right here, how many have been transformed because of this place? Yeah. Don't get separated from people that are going to speak life into you.